In our previous conversation, we talked about that hidden curriculum, things like networking and communication and mentoring, skills that you probably have and maybe some other ones that are really important for your potential research career. How do you get to know these strengths and actually use them to amplify your professional development? My name is David Kossub, and this is NIH's All About Grants. From the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, this is All About Grants. All right. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. I'm glad to say that we have two guests for this second in our two-part conversation on what we think early career researchers should know. We have first, we have uh, Dr. Marguerite Matthews. She's a program director, but also most importantly, she is a co-host of another podcast here at NIH, one that we heard from uh, on the previous podcast. Um, This one is Building Up the Nerve uh, from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. And we also have Dr. Erica Boone. She directs the Office of Extramural Research's Division of Biomedical Research Workforce. And I welcome you both to the show. Thank you, David. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. All right, we're gonna be uh, talking to y'all because y'all are really interested in the future workforce and how you can align your, your gifts and your strengths to you know your professional career. But to do some level setting throughout this conversation, we're gonna be talking about professional development and personal growth. Do y'all mind like just kind of talking about what we generally mean about that. I think that when we're talking about that or when I'm talking with early career investigators, many of them are struggling to find and to navigate their own pathway with regards to the conduct of their research career, but also staying true to their authentic self. I find that this is where understanding your personal motivations and your professional goals and how they align really kind of come together and meet. And as part of my work as a program director at NINDS, I interact with a lot of trainees who have a lot of um, stress and anxieties around their future careers. And so I think it's important to take a step back and for them to be able to see the entirety of what they bring to their work, not just their ability to publish papers, their ability to get grants, um, or even present to really great Uh, presentations at conferences, but also to think about all of the other skills that are going to make them really strong professionals that will allow them to advance in their careers. Building on that, you kind of touched on, you know, how you can, what you can do to apply those skills, uh, you know, for your career, how you connect the two. Can you, can you expand upon, can you both expand upon that some more? From the standpoint of, say, applying for a grant, there are places in a fellowship application or a career development award application where the candidate has to describe their training plan, what they are going to be engaged in in order for them to carry out their research proposal, but also what's going to help them transition to the next phase of their career. And if they don't know or hadn't thought about their skills outside of, you know, pipetting, electrophysiology, or running animals in an operant chamber, they may feel overwhelmed by what goes into the section and how to best plan those activities. And so if they have a chance to look inward and constantly be thinking about who they are and what they bring to the, their field of study, it may help guide them a lot more and think of very specific opportunities for them to learn and grow. 
I think that what Dr. Matthews just indicated is really very important. We're not just a set of technical skills as individuals. We're much more than that. We're often more confident in our technical skills that she just pointed out though, but we often make lists of what those technical skills are, or we have a plan for development of what those professional skills are. So we have a lot more confidence in what those are um, and what we need to acquire to move forward in our professional life. But what we don't always recognize are what are some of those talents, gifts, skills, or characteristics that we might have in our personal life that we can also bring into our professional life? What are those additional skills that we might need to grow that will also be able to enhance our professional skill sets as well? And that's where I think this um, being able to definitely know more about yourself, know more about your own personal motivations, uh, where you want to go, where you want to be, what kind of investigator, what kind of scientist, heck, this even supersedes a scientific career. This is almost any career if you mm -hmm. want to just kind of like plop in any other career option, <laughs> but kind of understanding what you bring professionally to the plate or professionally how you want to grow is just as important as understanding who you are and how you want to grow from a personal perspective within that job setting. Well, thanks, Erica. You kind of scared me with those technical skill sets. So uh, that's kind of one of the reasons I, I left the lab, but I'm, I'm glad to know that there are folks <laughs> out there who do and they can apply those. But you also mentioned setting up a plan. Um, you know, can you talk or both y'all talk more about this plan? Like, how do you how do you make this plan to manage your professional development? It's a very good question, David. And <laughs> I, I think that we often uh, engage in trainings and in our job here, you know, within the federal government. And some of them, I think, are managing what people call or learning how to grow some of those soft skills. Um, at least they call them soft skills. I don't think that they're soft at all because I think no, I that agree. you utilize those much more, you know, in a work setting, especially when you become a supervisor. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that there should be much more emphasis on that. Oh my gosh, it's so hard because when you become an investigator, people don't say to you, or when you launch into your research career, you have to learn how to do all of these other things, manage large teams, manage, you know, so-and-so. You've got students, you've got uh, trainees, you've got yourself, you've got your department heads, all of those things like that. And we're not really thinking about how to set ourselves up for that. But there are some technical, we call them technical skills that are also soft skills that I also think that there could be personal related skills as well, like conflict management, you know, time management, um, communication skills, those kinds of things like that, that we could think about automatically. What are some of those other skill sets outside of that technical stuff that we learn in graduate school and as a postdoc that we need to develop? Start there. Ask other people. What are some other technical skills or what are some other types of skills outside of laboratory kind of like skills, if you will, that you needed to learn in order to be successful in your career? Yeah, I think thinking about the end point first and working backwards can be really helpful. Um, and I don't know if what I'm going to say will scare people or reassure them, but sometimes you're just going to have to figure out I need this skill. I recognize that I am not communicating well with people. Somehow there are constantly misunderstandings. I feel like we're talking around each other. And you recognize 
that communication skills, the ability to have interpersonal relationships that go beyond, I like this person or I don't like this person can be incredibly effective in helping a person achieve any type of work product that they want, they need to get done, right? And so sometimes you learn the hard way that this is a skill that I need or I having this conflict with a student or a trainee um, as a mentor, I don't know what to do. And you find yourself in a conflict management training. Um, maybe you thought you had it under control, but you're taking this again. And I think some of this is we try to plan and think ahead, but oftentimes we recognize either skills we don't have that we need or skills that we haven't used. Maybe we have this training or we had these tools and resources earlier in our careers that we didn't use because we didn't have those types of conflict issues that didn't have um, communication breakdowns or didn't have the need to put together a budget to run a lab. But now you are in that position um, where you've, you know, life circumstances are constantly changing, both in our personal lives and our professional lives that we have to adapt to. And sometimes it's good to just say, well, didn't know how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go online and take a class. Maybe my institution or my employer has some trainings that I can get involved with. <clears throat> some of this will just have to happen as life happens. And it's not always from a perspective of what you don't have, right? Oftentimes that gift and talent is that thing that someone is always asking for you to do all time and time again. They're asking for your suggestion or they're asking for you to serve on panels to do X. They're asking for you to engage with undergraduates um, in order to help them to gain skills during their summer internships, or someone is asking for you to mentor them uh, officially or unofficially. Oftentimes, it's those kinds of talents that we don't know that we have that are the things that we are best at, and that if we learn how to capitalize on that, it will, one, recognize them. Mm -hmm. um, we could learn how to grow those types of behaviors or skills. For example, when I was participating in a leadership development class years ago, I was asked to identify 20 personal skills that or 20 personal strengths that I had. And I think I got to about seven and I froze. I couldn't think of a whole lot more to, to write down on that piece of paper. And I got stressed about it. And so I asked someone, you know, hey, how did how are you completing this part of your your homework assignment? And they were like, well, if you get stuck, go ask someone. So I did. And people kept pointing out things to me that they thought that I exhibited as a strength or a talent that I didn't even realize I was doing, much less that I was doing it well. So once I realized that there are things that I'm doing just on a natural basis. I could capitalize on that, you know, for my own personal growth, but as well as my professional growth, because now I'm taking opportunities to learn how to better utilize and how to better grow that skill. But then I'm also applying it more so to my work because I've recognized it. I've called that thing a thing. And now I'm using <laughs> it in order to help other people, but also to grow in and of myself as well. That's a great point, Erica. Thank you for mentioning that. Leaning on people who know you well and know your work is has been life-changing. Uh, and just a little side note to the audience, I used to work uh, for Erica, and she has certainly pointed out some things um, that I had within me that I didn't really recognize were strengths 
um, to be utilized in the workplace, that, but also that I've used outside of work. Calling that thing a thing is, is definitely definitely a truth. That it, y'all are definitely you know reiterating a lot of the, the points that we're that we were hitting on in our first part of this conversation. That the communications, engaging with people, networking, you know, talking to people as much as you can. I mean, these are critical you know pieces to what a scientist should become. That these scientists you know are you know you're no longer an island. You know, you're you're supposed to be working together, collaborating, learning from each other growing from each other you're not going to know everything so maybe you know you could find out where those strengths and weaknesses on yourself are and you know use that you know help that help you know that so you can catapult into your into your next career and you know i think that also might be just some part of the the, the trepidation that that some early career researchers might have is just kind of knowing knowing how to identify their strengths or or what they're weak in uh or maybe not as strong and i should probably put it that way um so yeah th these are great pieces of advice to, to kind of keep folks thinking about that. David, I wanted to point one thing out before you move Absolutely. on. And you said you're no longer an island. And I think that we have to banish this whole concept of being an island, mm -hmm. right? We have to do everything on our own. We have to be everything on our own. We have to know everything in this particular area because we are called experts on that. But we don't have to be. We can't possibly operate on our own. We have to rely on other people in order to build our professional skill sets, but we can also rely on them to build our personal ones as well. Not only will we benefit from that growth, but others can benefit from that as well. That is key to helping us to, I, I don't want to call it that, but proliferate. Um, within mm -hmm. our scientific career. Now, Dr. Matthews is excellent at that. She has mentees that she calls Dieslings. And you should see them <laughs> coming up to her at conferences. Um, because I, I feel like, and I really, truly, I, I'm trying to grow into this as a human, uh, as a person in leadership here at, at NIH, at whatever level that it is, right? Um, that it does, it takes a whole person. It takes that whole self. You do have those technical skills and knowledge, the, the experience behind you, but it's also you as a person that can help bring someone else along and help them grow in their own personal and professional life. Or you can be a barrier for them as well. And so that is one of the more important things or one of the more important points that I want to make is that we're not just doing this because we want to, you know, get better at, you know, public, you know, speaking, you know, mm -hmm. grow those soft skills or grow, I, they're not soft, grow those other kinds of personal <laughs> skills because you just want to do that for yourself. I want to be a better public speaker. I think, and, and what we're trying to do is that we are trying to, one, grow people's knowledge and, you know, or grow knowledge in scientific areas. We're trying to um, improve public health. We are also trying to extend and expand the future of the biomedical research workforce as well. And how best can we do that? By one, staying current on uh, scientific knowledge, breakthroughs, research areas, et cetera, understanding who we're impacting with the policies and programs that we're developing around here, but also relying on our own selves and our own skills, our own um, our own whole self in order to make sure that we are communicating well. Say that to underscore the point you just made, relationships are important. Um, it's networking. We hear that word all the time. It's a buzzword. It's like, what does that even mean? And I try to tell the students and tra trainees at different levels that I work with, think of it as building relationships. P 
people should know your work. They should know about you because they may be able to see in you something you don't see in yourself, to be able to pull out those skills or push you to find the skills or to say, hey, you, you're really good at this, but you could also work on this other thing. Um, and it's hard to know where you have, where your strengths are sometimes and what, what your gap areas are if someone is not interfering in a way to say, hey, I see this in you. I want to help you. Or maybe they all they can do is point it out. You know, people always say, you know, in the I think in the youth community that, uh, you know, your hate, let your haters be your motivators. And sometimes the people that criticize you the most, they might have a point and say, hey, oh, at this thing. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work on it. And I'm going to be even better than before. So relationship building is such an important part of our personal and professional growth. I remember when I was part of the youth community at one point in my life. Long time ago. So long ago, I barely yes. remember. <laughs> time ago. Um, well, well, Marguerite and Erica, this this has been a great opportunity to to hear more about your insights on you know how you're going to align your your strengths to your you know professional development. Before we go, I always like to leave an opportunity for our guests to kind of leave some final thoughts with the audience, perhaps mentioning something you haven't said before, reiterating or reiterating a point you've said uh, also. Uh, maybe making things more practical for our audience. You know, anything along the lines, I, I leave the floor to y'all. I think that um, a couple of things that I want to leave the audience with is that you're not out there by yourself trying to figure out who you are in this world, whether it's personal or professional. There are other people in your path that can help you um, in your growth journey, whether it is professional or whether it's personal. There are also other kinds of tools that are available to help you to discover more of your skill sets and, and other areas in uh, growth areas for you. For example, Skills Finders is a tool that you might be able to utilize in order to better understand where your strengths, um, where your where some of your strengths are and where you might have some additional growth opportunities. I really feel like once a person starts to understand who they are more and understand some of their own personal strengths, you feel a lot more confident in yourself. You feel a lot more confident in your abilities and you feel a lot more confident in your ability to be able to grow and develop even further. Um, so don't be afraid um, to think about who you are, where you want to be, what are some of those skill sets that you would like to grow? Um, ask other people, you know, about how they did it and what are some of the things that they wish they knew coming into their research career so that you're not looking like, oh my God, I didn't know that, or I wish that I had known that, I wish that I had developed that, or I wish I had asked that question um, earlier than before. Just don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to 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 gain more strengths and skills in in more areas than just your scientific area, because it's really important to help develop you as an investigator um, or as a researcher or a person that's in um, the biomedical research workforce more generally. I'd add to that that personal and professional growth is an ever evolving and iterative process. What you need today may not be what you need tomorrow or next mm -hmm. year or 10 years from now. And I, for one, continuously build on some of the same skills over and over again. Like there's not a single communication type of workshop that I have not taken a part of. And I love speaking publicly. I love communicating via social media, all sorts of 
ways, I think I do it fairly well. And I still believe there's lots I can learn, a bunch of different ways I can grow and become better at that. And so this is not something that I think is, oh, I took that one class and now I'm done. I'm good. I don't need to do it anymore. Um, so think about your, I guess, don't be afraid to constantly evolve and change and maybe revisit some things, take on new things, but it's, you don't have to have it figured out. There's no one point in life where you'll have done all the growing that they'll ever do. So your brain may not be growing much anymore, as Erica and I's neuroscientists know, <laughs> but certainly there are so many other aspects of your life that are going to continue to change and you should be helping that change along. I I agree. Always... It's not an either or, it, it's both. Yeah, and I can always go for some more adult neurogenesis whenever I can possibly get it. Um, but, <laughs> Marguerite and Erica, truly appreciate this opportunity uh, to hear more from y'all about uh, how to align your, your strengths with your professional development. I, uh, I encourage folks to check out Building Up the Nerve, the podcast from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. They, they you know, they talk about training and research development. So, so check them out as well. My name has been David Kossel, and this has been All About Grants. Thanks. On season four of Building Up the Nerve, we're talking about the unwritten rules or hidden curriculum of scientific research at every career stage. Our conversations this season center around topics related to starting undergraduate research, succeeding in graduate school, applying to faculty positions, and much more. As in previous seasons, the goal is to help you learn from peers, colleagues, and experts who can provide you with all the information you need to succeed in your career. I'm Marguerite Matthews, a program director at NINDS. And I'm Lauren Ulrich, also a program director at NINDS, and we're the hosts of Building Up the Nerve. We know that navigating your career can be daunting, but we're here to help. It's our job. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you won't miss an episode.